Previously on Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. The boy pressed the doorbell. The door opened. They could not see who it was that Yannick was talking to. Yannick entered the shop. The door closed. That's why it was called Snake Mountain. That's right. And it had uh, that microphone effect, didn't it? You could, put, you could talk into the microphone and then you'd sound like Skeletor. But I didn't need that because I could do a good impression of Skeletor anyway, remember? No, I don't, don't remember. I can still do it. Stop it, He-Man. <laughs> I don't think Skeletor, the, the sort of evil lord, would say, stop it. What was He-Man tickling him? The room was all topsy-turvy, with items moved about. He noticed his art folder was sat on the bed, with all of his sketches spread out on the duvet. On top of the mess was a handwritten letter. Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. I also assess them today as a man with fresh ears and fresh opinions. On this week's show, I'm looking at the song Stranger in a Strange Land, which is track six on the Somewhere in Time album. Last week, I focused on the loneliness of the long-distance runner, I had some feedback on the show. I had several comments about running, because the song was about a runner. And I mentioned about putting some Iron Maiden songs on a playlist to help you if you're running a marathon, or maybe another long distance. Andy tweeted that he could use Phantom of the Opera on the playlist to help with running, so you could feel like Daley Thompson as you ran through the streets. I also had a message from Guillaume from France. And he said Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is a good song for running. So that's interesting. Maybe I'll give that a try. I'd like to thank you both for those suggestions. Because putting those two songs together, that uses up 20 minutes already. And that's a good proportion of a long distance, isn't it? I had a message from Don McIntyre saying that the first line of The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, which is Tough on the Track, that was the title of a comic strip in the Victor comic. And it was about a working class runner called Alf Tupper. This was an interesting piece of trivia. I didn't know this. I feel like I've let everybody down by not mentioning it. But luckily, Don McIntyre has. So uh, this is good. And it's extra knowledge for you. And I believe that Steve Harris would have known this. And perhaps that's why that line was put in. So this is a good reference. So thank you to Don McIntyre. I had a message from Tegan. And she was interested to hear that Paul Diano mentioned that they were playing Monopoly on tour when he was in the band. And she wonders whether he used the hat playing piece before Bruce came in and used it. Or did he have the car before Nico came in? These are good questions, but I don't have the answers. So maybe if I see Paul Diano again soon, I'll ask him. Finally, on the topic of the loneliness of the long distance runner, David McDermott uh, said that it's one of his favourite tracks. He gives it a 10 out of 10. And he said some very nice descriptive things about it. But his comments are better than what I said about it. So I'm not going to read them out on my podcast. So uh, it, it just just believe that he likes it. We also had some comments about Trevor's Takeover Thursday, which is where he writes a blog post on Ko-Fi. Uh, but we'll deal with that later. So he's there to defend himself. So on to this song, Stranger in a Strange Land. And uh, previously... On Heaven Can Wait, I was criticised for not mentioning that it shared a title with a book or a film. And Strange in a Strange Land does the same. There's a science fiction book with this title. But the song's not about it. 
The title, Stranger in a Strange Land, probably doesn't need defining, but it's a bit like how you feel when you're in a new place. You, you sort of maybe don't belong there or you don't know your way around. A lot of being on holiday. It's how I felt when I was on holiday in Landudno or Devon. I probably stood out a bit. There was me wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt and shorts from Kay's catalogue. And I imagined that I looked like I was from the future to these locals. These old people drinking tea and eating fish and chips. They couldn't understand this modern music on my t-shirt. Or so I thought. I imagine this was like the impact that David Bowie had when he appeared on top of the Pops in 1973. People wondered what was going on. Who is this creature from another planet? He had a mullet then as well. I like being in strange places where you can explore new streets and new shops. I remember in the indoor market in Exmouth in Devon, I bought the Human League's greatest hits on cassette. And Trevor was also on holiday with me that year and he bought the Plymouth Argyle Subutio team. I felt like they saw us as rich people supporting the local economy with these purchases, these locals. But they just carried on drinking tea and eating fish and chips. I wonder if that was the holiday where Trevor saw those goths on the beach. The song Stranger in a Strange Land isn't about buying cassettes in indoor markets, as we'll find out. It opens with this familiar sort of rhythm, um, this sort of dub 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 I reckon if I added the opening to Flight of Icarus, maybe the songs would sound the same. Yeah, or maybe not. The song's written by Adrian Smith, and it starts off with him reflecting on how he left home full of hopes and dreams, but now all is lost and things aren't what they seem. So this first verse could be about him, or even the band on tour, which we've seen is a common theme on this album. I can't relate to this because I live with my mum, so I haven't left home. But I do have hopes and dreams though, still, just like I did when I listened to this song as a nine-year-old. Some of those hopes and dreams are now different. Later on though, it talks more specifically about an incident. It talks about being frozen in ice. It reminds me a bit of Han Solo in Star Wars after he was captured by bounty hunters. Like Dengar the bounty hunter, who mysteriously disappeared when I took him into school. But uh, Dengar wasn't a bounty hunter that uh, captured Han Solo. It's actually about an explorer that was discovered frozen in ice. And he was part of the Franklin Expedition. And this was in the Arctic in 1845. It was quite newsworthy for Adrian Smith at the time of writing this. Because in 1984, the body of one of the sailors was exhumed. And the picture of him, his name was John Torrington went viral. Although it wasn't called viral then, it was called shared in the newspapers. So everyone knew about this sailor and the impact of seeing his his remains was was quite a big one because they'd been kept preserved for so long due to the fact that he'd been buried under five feet of permafrost. It's quite a chilling image and it must have left an impression on Adrian. And there's still questions about what happened to this expedition. We've had drones going into one of the ships uh, in just a couple of years ago. The lyrics say, 100 years have gone and men again they came that way to find the answer to the mystery. They found his body lying where it fell on that day, preserved in time for all to see. 
So that summarises what I've just said about John Torrington and the Franklin Expedition. It's got quite an interesting sound, the song that is. The synth sounds quite strong in the song. And the elements of a, a, like a reverse reverb as an effect. And it sounds a bit like an organ, but not a pipe organ. There seems to be more space in the song as well. The notes sort of ring out while Bruce is singing, so it's quite nice. There's a strange section, uh, I suppose it's like a bridge, where Bruce says, No brave new world, no brave new world. This is interesting because previously Paul Diano mentioned Peace of Mind, an album title, several years before it came out. And here Bruce is, is mentioning an album title of the future, Brave New World, which came out 13 years later. Does this mean Bruce can travel through time like Paul Diano? That's a question for another day. There's a nice change for what appears to be a middle eight. Um, but actually, this comes back again later, and I don't think middle eights do repeat themselves usually, so I don't know what this means in musical theory. There's a nice section where it slows down a bit, like a little mini instrumental bit. The synths again are quite heavy, and Steve Harris's bass notes are high. I feel like the transition then into the solo could be bigger, but it's quite nicely understated. Um, and this is where that middle eight section then repeats. At the end, the song fades out, which is quite unusual for Iron Maiden. We've only seen this once before on this show, in Women in Uniform. With it fading out, I wonder what happened when they played it live. How, how did they end it? Did Bruce just carry on singing, but move slowly away from the microphone until he was backstage? And maybe the sound technicians gradually lowered the faders on the mixing desk so the guitars faded out the same? I don't know what they would have done for Nico, because surely he couldn't play the same drum beat by being gradually gentler in hitting the drums. The song was a single, and on the video... They're performing this on stage in Sheffield, but this isn't the live version. It's just the audio for the single that's playing while they sort of just perform it or, or mime it. Bruce is overdoing the miming. He's going over the top with his facial expressions and movements. I don't like this. I wish he would have taken it seriously. Later in the video, we get to see the inflatable cyborg Eddie that accompanied that tour, which is nice because there's not much footage of this. Although I was a bit annoyed when I was younger because that inflatable cyborg Eddie didn't come on the stage during Stranger in a Strange Land, so I told the television that it was wrong. Talking of the video, Adrian's got some recollections of it, which he'll now talk about before reading the latest chapter in his book. Hi, this is Adrian Smith, and yes, I understand it's a Stranger in a Strange Land episode, so special memories for me. Decent song I wrote, uh, yeah. We're back a bit now, isn't it? Oh, I suppose must be 35 years, so. That's quite exciting. Maybe I'll have a cake or a gato. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember the, the video for Stranger in a Strange Land. We recorded that after uh, the show at Sheffield. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you've all seen it. Uh, pretty decent. Good effort. Nice to see that stage set. Uh, I remember being a bit annoyed afterwards. Um, I, th I feel that Wayne's already mentioned Bruce, of course. Um, but, 
yeah, after the Wasted Years incident, swapping instruments, and, and now this, this over-the-top miming from Bruce. I, I was a bit disappointed. I felt that my songs weren't being taken seriously. But uh, to make up for this, you may notice that I did my own sort of move or dance uh, during the song. And I feel it's one that's overlooked in the history of Iron Maiden. Because uh, what I did, uh, and you can watch it back, uh, you know, maybe use this as commentary. Uh, what I did, I, I had the guitar, and I sort of lifted it upright, uh, sort of at a 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock position, maybe in between, maybe half past 10. But, uh, yeah, I, I held it up uh, at that while I was playing, or, or miming, you, you know, if you want to be pedantic. Uh, I held it up at that angle, and, yeah, I did that for most of the song. And, and halfway through the recording, I realised I could do this sort of hip movement where I swayed left and right while holding this guitar. And, uh, yeah, I think it's something, it's something I look back on with a bit of pride. There's one point in the song, you can actually see me focusing on, on this move, getting it right. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't really matter if it wasn't in time. Uh, you could just do it. And uh, you could do that to any song, uh, if, if you're at a discotheque or uh, some sort of social club at a wedding. Uh, yeah, try it out. Uh, you don't need a guitar. You can use other objects, um, ladles, large wooden spoons, yeah. tennis racket. And you, you know I play tennis, and uh, of course... That's a move you can do while you're waiting for your opponent to serve. and, and it, it puts them off a bit. It's quite quite effective. I've not seen anyone do it at Wimbledon, but uh, I think it's only a matter of time. And, and if this, uh, maybe it could go viral, maybe Wayne, yeah, you could do some dance moves to it. So yeah, happy memories, good times. But uh, yeah, we'll have those times again. Uh, maybe the next video I'll, I'll be allowed to do a dance move. Uh, the band didn't know I was going to do that. It, it wasn't discussed in the meeting. It wasn't mentioned afterwards, so I assume everyone was happy with it. Anyway, you're not interested in all that nonsense. Uh, you're here for my book, aren't you? And uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Chapter 7, Stranger in a Strange Land. The boys waited in the shrubbery for a long time while Yannick was in the shop. They thought about approaching the shop and ringing the doorbell themselves, but they just sat there. Not a word said, and Nico didn't bang his drum. Eventually, the shop door opened, and Yannick skipped out with a large shopping bag. "'What's in the bag?' asked Bruce, and everybody jumped up to gather round Yannick. "'Something amazing,' said Yannick. "'Well, show us then,' said Adrian angrily. I can't, said Yannick. It will be a surprise. Adrian was angry. He didn't like Yannick having secrets. What was it like inside the shop? asked Steve. I can't remember, came the reply. I am tired now. I will go home. And off he went. Some people, said Adrian, shaking his head, as the boys all looked at each other, confused. Boy, Officer Riggs found himself on a small stage in the village hall, looking down at a crowd of angry faces. It had been a difficult local meeting. Word had got round that the prisoner had escaped, and now more questions were being asked. "'So you mean this master of disguise could be hiding amongst us in the village?' said the butcher. "'You let the festival go ahead, knowing that there was a villain on the loose?' said the baker." All those strange people who were there on the day that we'd never seen before, that suspicious Irish pie-eater, that man-eating pizza, he could have been one of them. 
exclaimed the candlestick maker. All at once there was a hubbub and a hullabaloo. Officer Riggs glanced over at old Mrs. Stratton, who looked teary-eyed and terrified. She turned to leave, dragging her bag of wheels full of tinned pies, peas and beans behind her. Officer Riggs held up his hands to silence the crowd. I can assure you we are working hard to get this man back behind bars, he said, although a badly timed giggle made his point less authoritative. On his way home afterwards, he thought about the letter he'd received while he slept on Easter Sunday. It was from the villain, the man known as the Head, and it said that he hoped they could meet soon, just the two of them, as this meeting needed to happen now so they could talk things through. Officer Riggs wondered why they didn't have this talk when he came to deliver the letter. Although perhaps he wanted to, but he, Officer Riggs, had been asleep. He was a bit nervous about this. When he said it needs to happen now, who well exactly did he mean? As he got closer to home, he passed the new shop. The lights were on and the sign said open. This was strange. It was 10.30 at night. What was it doing open so late? Since buying the Easter egg from the shop, he hadn't been in since. It was always closed, and he couldn't remember what it was like inside. He got off his bicycle and decided to investigate. As I've mentioned, the song was a single, the second single off the album, and it was quite an interesting time for rock music, because it was released when other rock or metal bands were already in the top ten. Europe with Final Countdown, and Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Stranger in a Strange Land didn't get in the top 10 though. It entered at number 26 in November 1986. And that week, it was the third highest new entry behind Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Five Stars. The Frankie Goes to Hollywood song was called Warriors of the Wasteland. And that's got the initials W-O-T-W. And that's interesting. Next week, the song jumped to number 22. So that's not bad, but it's only four places. Then it fell down the chart, so that's as high as it got. As before, the second single off the albums were already available, and there's no difference in this version. So, uh, therefore, the second single didn't do as well as the first in most cases. But it didn't do as well as Aces High, The Trooper, or The Number of the Beast, which were the second singles off the previous three albums. So this was disappointing. And Steve Harris couldn't even blame Wham for this, because they'd split up, as we learned earlier in the series. I think fans might have bought it just for the artwork, because it's a very popular sleeve. It's got Eddie in a bar, smoking a cigar. It's a bit like a gunslinger with a cowboy hat. But it's also, of course, the cyborg in a futuristic saloon. So it's a nice mix of cultural references. The background in this bar or saloon is of like science fiction characters, aliens and creatures. Um, and it's like one of the venues on the album cover. I think this is one of the best single sleeves of the 80s. It's up there with Runs of the Hills, The Trooper and Two Minutes to Midnight. On the back cover, there's a written passage, which is quite interesting, and it almost accompanies the scene on the front cover. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now, see what he's been up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, things are nice. I'm uh, enjoying life. Great. Still excited about my extra privileges. Um, I'm enjoying the Ko-Fi posts. I did one this week about top trumps. Yeah, I saw that. Um, although I was interested to note that people were more interested in your comment last week about old people wearing slacks. 
We had a message on Facebook from Catherine Clark, who's 65, and she said if her boyfriend was to wear slacks, she'd be very annoyed. And then we also had comments from Andy, didn't we, who said he's over 50 and he doesn't wear slacks. So I think you've offended a few people. No, I haven't. They're just general comments, aren't they? Opinions. And then I answered Andy on Ko-Fi, and he went away feeling happy with himself, that he defies convention. It was a good fashion consultation. I don't think you can call that a fashion consultation. You're not Tyra Banks on America's Next Top Model. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, anyway, I I suppose now you know how I feel when I talk about Iron Maiden and people just comment on pies and sweets. Uh, Now you've done a post on top trumps and people are having a go about trousers. Well, people did comment on the top trumps. I had a nice message from Andy Brown on Facebook who enjoyed it and he likes the categories. And, uh, yeah, a few people will be interested in it if it came out. Uh, or maybe, I should say, when it comes out. I don't think you're going to make a game of Top Trumps, are you? Who's going to buy that? Well, you said that about a poetry book. OK. OK, well, uh, anyway, Stranger in a Strange Land. How do you feel about that song? Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's a good single. I remember I, I used to dress up as Eddie on the sleeve, but I was too young to go in bars, so I pretended I was going into a sweet shop. Okay. Well, I just looked like a boy, dressed as a cowboy, though. I didn't look like a cyborg, like Eddie did. I'd ask for a ten-pence mix-up in a scary voice. All right. Yeah. A ten-pence mix-up, please. No bubblegum. What was that? That was my scary voice. Wasn't that the same voice you used when you did an impression of Skeletor? No, it was different. Okay, well, uh, anyway, that's that then. So let's get on to these three questions then. Uh, which is a new thing that we do. Right, so, so on the topic from last week, will you buy slacks when you're 50? Well, I might do. Uh, I'll see when I get there. Um, so if, if it is the case that I don't, that's okay. I don't mind being proved wrong or argued with. I remember that my dad started buying slacks then, and he threw away all his jeans on his 50th birthday. We put them on a bonfire in the garden. Do you remember? No, I don't remember that. So I'm just going on... Well, I've been taught by my parents. I thought it was just a thing you did. Okay, well, fair enough. Um, on to the song. What's the strangest land that you've been to? Oh, uh, maybe Diggerland. Diggerland? That's not on the world map. That's not a place. Yeah, it is. There's several theme parks with diggers in it, and you can sit on diggers or ride in trucks or other construction machinery. Okay. Yeah, I like it, because you can pretend you're a digger driver. I think they're called builders. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? You drive diggers. And when did you go there? Well, it was a few years ago. Isn't it for children? No, it's fun for all ages, subject to height restrictions. It's the ideal theme park for small to large groups looking for something exciting and truly unique. Are you reading this from a leaflet? No. So if it's as fun as you say, why is it strange? Well, it's just a bit unusual, isn't it? But it's good. Are you going to go there with Pamela on a date? No, I don't think it's appropriate. Why not? It's exciting and truly unique. Isn't that what women want? Uh, So I read. Yeah, but I don't think she'd like Diggerland. Okay, third question. Is this the best Adrian Smith song on the album? No, I don't think it is. But whichever is the third best, it's still a great song. Yeah, that's a fair point. So yeah, on to poetry then. Have we got a poem this week? You always ask that, 
people always have. Well, okay, well, I don't know. I suppose it's just a link, isn't it? Okay, here it is. I'm a stranger in a strange land, but it isn't France in 1989, as that has been banned. Exotic smells of morning bread, but not from late 80s patisseries, as that cannot be said. A poet without his freedom, he has to bite his tongue. A pie without a filling, a trifle with no sponge. Okay, so you've tried to be clever there by mentioning the French trip, but saying you can't mention the French trip. So I'm not falling for that. You've obviously mentioned the French trip. No, I've said it's been banned. I'm acknowledging it. Yeah, but at the end, you're moaning by saying you've not got your freedom. And then you're comparing yourself, as usual, to some form of pastry or pudding. It's not very nice saying I'm a pudding. I didn't. You you did it. You mentioned a trifle. Yeah, I'm just comparing what it's like to be a poet who who can't express himself. Um, It's like there's something missing. It's just like a husk with no feeling inside. And that's what a trifle is or a pie with no feeling. Okay, we've made your point. Um, I suppose um, it's quite good in a way. Uh, I was worried that your poems might become a bit soppy now you've got Pamela in your life. No, no, I haven't let that affect me unless I do a poem about a love relationship. Hmm. I think that'll impress people. I put in some enclosed tercets for the academics. Some what? Enclosed tercets, like three-line stanzas with a certain rhyme scheme. Okay, very clever. Um, so what, you're going to write your blog about this week on Thursday? I haven't decided yet. A couple of things I might do. I might not talk about Iron Maiden in it. Oh, okay. Well, as long as it's slightly relevant, I suppose. Did you buy some records from the record store this week? Now they're open? Yeah. In fact, maybe that's what I'll write about. Show my records off. Put pictures of me holding them. Yeah, that'd be good. Did you get the Taylor Swift one, like Pamela said? No, I didn't get it. Too expensive. Oh, she won't like that, will she? I don't know what you mean. I don't think you do. All right, well, anyway, um, thanks for your input, as usual. Uh, Very good. And, uh, yeah, next week it's Deja Vu, so uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So I'll speak to you in the week, then. Okay. thanks, Wayne. Bye. Well, Stranger in a Strange Land, then. I think it's uh, a good song, but it's not as good as I remember it when I listened to it recently. I was expecting it to be decent, and I mean, it is decent, but in my head, it was better than the reality. And often, it's still the way around with Iron Maiden, when I go back to a song I haven't heard for a while. So I'll listen to it, and I think, yeah, I'll enjoy this song, and then it's even better than I remember. But this was the other way around, which is quite disappointing, and it's affected my enjoyment of it, even though it's still good. Um, I've noticed that the band haven't really included it on any of the compilations since, like Best of the Beast or somewhere back in time. And also on the live albums, uh, they don't really play it much. So it's a strange one. It seems like it should be a big song for Iron Maiden, but it sort of isn't. Maybe the band aren't fussed about it either. Right, we can follow me on social media, Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast. Um, So yeah, look out for me there. I've mentioned Trevor's Ko-Fi post. He's on two now on the Ko-Fi page, ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. I've had some very supportive messages there recently from John McKill-Wraith and Stefania Marquez. So thank you very much for the positive comments. I've had a message from Adric who says, can we have some more Dave Morey Facts of the Week, please? And he says, what is the plural of Dave Morey Fact of the Week? 
do you pluralise the fact or the week? So is it Dave Morey facts of the week or is it Dave Morey facts of the weeks or is it Dave Morey facts of the weeks? And that's, that's not a very exciting thing to say, is it, on a podcast? But it's a good question. I always wonder what the past tense of sleepwalk is as well. If I told someone I, I slept walked the night before, that sounded wrong. So is it sleepwalked, slept walked, or I did some sleepwalking? I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this. It's irrelevant. But uh, that's what Adric's made me do. He also asks, what do I think of the West Ham away shirt that I Maiden have launched? Steve Harris has done. And I'm not normally critical of Iron Maiden, but I don't like it. They should have just designed their own football shirt, because um, I'd have done that for them. I used to design football shirts with Trevor. We felt it pens, and then he'd paint his Sabuto teams in them. We invented a team for Haven, where we stayed in a holiday park, and he had the yellow and red colours, like Haven's logo. I sent them a photograph of it, but they didn't answer. But yeah, they could have done this. They could have just done a random football-style shirt, maybe a vintage one. Even, I wouldn't have minded if it was West Ham colours, because they're the same as Aston Villa. But the fact is, he's put the West Ham badge on it. Um, disappointing. Well, as I mentioned with Trevor, it's Deja Vu next week, the penultimate song of the album. We've got through this album quite quickly, but uh, it's not the first album with eight songs on. It just seems quicker. don't know why. So I hope you can join me for that, and I'll leave you with some Stranger in a Strange Land. So I uh, hope to speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.